Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. It is a Thursday afternoon, high noon in the QC. And we are here after the dust. Danny Brams, it feels like, has officially settled in town after a wild week for Charlotte FC. How you doing today, brother? You tell me if the dust has settled. I've been stuck in this isolation. Uh, you can hear my voice is still a little thick and stuffy, but I'm feeling good. Uh, not no no major symptoms. Feeling fine. Just bored. Just kind of stuck here in uh, quarantine. But hopefully, almost over a few days from now, we'll see. And I've just been kind of taking it all in. You and I have been communicating a lot over everything that's been happening. We've been kind of you know falling back on our reporting instincts. This We do this as sort of a passion project. This is not our main job, obviously, but in our real day, day jobs, you know, we have the journalistic instincts that kind of kicked in as this story developed and unfolded and that we were able to learn a few things. No doubt about it. And, and the supporters and I think a lot of the players and people nationally have learned a lot over the last couple of days as well. We really appreciate all of our listeners, all of our TIFOs, our tref- tremendous friends of the show uh, for listening to our reaction episode uh, the morning of the firing Tuesday morning uh, a lot of listeners there we appreciate you and, and we're back for you uh, to give you some more context about this and to spin this story forward so on the rundown today uh, Zoran Cronetta his press conference uh, we're going to talk about that and what really wasn't said during that press conference and and why reports surfaced after that press conference when no answer was given about MAR's firing. Uh, The Athletic uh, and my colleagues there wrote a great article that really went behind the scenes all the way back to the hiring of MAR to give us some context about why this decision is made. We're going to talk about that article. And we still haven't had any public reaction from the players, which... Mm -hmm is quite shocking and that ties into a report that surfaced as well about Cronetta's communication to the players to refrain from sharing their thoughts about the sacked head coach on social media now gag order a gag order was issued Danny Brams does it rub me the wrong way it certainly does as a staunch proponent of free speech It's too bad that these players are now muzzled on their social media accounts. We'll finally hear from them probably next week when they all return from international break here in Charlotte and are greeted with a gaggle, not a gag, a gaggle of reporters uh, where they could potentially share what's on their mind. But we'll see there. Um, And there's a report this morning. There's a new report out this morning about Miguel Angel Ramirez and interest from South America and Europe. The 37-year-old is is experienced. Remember, he wasn't fired for his tactics. And mm-hmm. I think there's people on the outside looking in that may not know the man and his personality quite yet, but had but but say he did a tremendous job at, at Charlotte FC when it comes to getting a lot out of a roster that hey, we've said on the show and I'll say it again that that was inferior to some of the opponents that they've played in the MLS. So we're going to talk about Karol Swiderski and his game winner for Poland on Wednesday. Um, who, did, who did Poland play in that match? Wales. Wales. The yeah, yeah, UEFA Nations League. The the most meaningless contest that's out there. Just one, one more money grab for UEFA that they put together. 
a few years ago that basically replaces international friendlies for a lot of the European clubs. So it's kind of put something on the line where there was nothing on the line before. It's not like they're new games. These games were being played anyway, but it's pretty, pretty pointless. Kevin De Bruyne dropped a bomb on the Nations League and said, I don't even know why I'm playing this. He, he's for Belgium. He's like, I, I wish I, at, at the end of a long year to have to go play these games is absolutely ridiculous, but hasn't been a long year for Carroll. So. Wales, on the other hand, using it for a tune-up match. Big match on Sunday between Wales and Ukraine for the final spot in the United States-England uh, group in World Cup play, uh, along with um, Iran in that group as well. So a huge yeah. match on Sunday. Yeah, Wales uh, we uh, put a uh, total B-side out against Swiderski's Polish side. No Gareth, and- no Gareth Bale, no Ben Davis, uh, who you'll expect to see Sunday for sure. Yeah, so they they were just like you said, going for a tune up. They actually took the lead with with one of their uh, younger guys scored a goal, and they, it would have actually actually been a really embarrassing loss for Poland. So, uh, it, as much as you can be embarrassed in the UEFA Nations League, but Swiderski saved their bacon. So, good week for Carroll. You know, he made his uh, reported power play uh, here in Charlotte, and and seemed to have won the battle. I don't, you know. We know he probably wasn't alone in that. I don't think the club would have sided with just one player over the coach, but he seems to be one of the prominent voices against MAR in the Charlotte FC locker room. And he scored a goal for his country. So well, what a week for Carroll. Good job, Gip. The last thing that we're going to get into on the show is uh, the new boss and his future here in Charlotte. Christian Latanzio. I think that there's, to me, one of the major questions is, why did he take this job knowing that he was the only person on the staff who is not a part of MAR's close-knit team? And why didn't he go with Patrick Vieira to Crystal Palace where he was going to be a top assistant? That seems like a great job. But instead, he's here in Charlotte and he's got a decent resume and we're excited for the rest of the season. So let's kick things off with Danny Brams and that report that he mentioned about Carol Svidersky. This is something that I tweeted on Tuesday afternoon that from what I understood about the situation regarding MAR's firing, that a designated player was in contact with Zoran Cronetta about coming back to Charlotte after the international break and not wanting to play for MAR. I think during the press conference when we heard Zoran say We had no choice. We had to do this. I felt like that was a direct and as direct as an answer that we got during that press conference. That legitimately, if we wanted to keep our designated player here in Charlotte, remember, the transfer window is about to open in Europe. Summer transfer window is right around the corner. And Karol Swiderski will have suitors. There's, there's no doubt about that. And remember, Brams, that Zoran Cronetta is the person that brought Carol to town. So. Mm-hmm. You were there. I was. You were there when Swiderski was unveiled. Zoran was there. MAR was not there. I don't want to read too much into that. But if you're the manager and you're unveiling your first designated player to a small group of supporters who are diehard supporters that you'd think maybe you would be there. So I I just wanted to get, first and foremost, Brams, I wanted to get your reaction to uh, 
this report about Carol Svidersky, the report about a fractured locker room, and what it means for the club moving forward. My, my reaction is that it's all not good. It's a bad look either way. And I think that goes back to why you and I, in our uh, reaction podcast that we did a few hours before Zoran's presser, both said that the ultimate walk away from this is that it, it represents a failure on the club's part because you, wh- whatever the reason, no, no matter what happened, you don't want to be firing your manager 14 games into a season and having a divided locker room. It, it all is bad. It's not something we can't recover from. It's not something we can't work through, and, and we have to fix it on the fly. We're kind of having to, you know, fix the plane as it as we're trying to fly it through uh, uh, on the fly here, because the season's going to keep going. The fixtures are going to start piling up. It, it makes sense that Zorn kind of swept in and made this move here right at the start of this two week break, because it kind of gives some time for the dust to settle and the air to clear. But it's all bad. So from there, you start to think about. Why? And that was the question everybody was asking when this happened on, on Tuesday morning. Why, why, why? That's what everyone was trying to get to. The speculation was running rampant on Twitter. And Zorn came out. One of our uh, listeners tweeted, you know, this could be, this is when a press conference could have been an email, you know, because he came out and said absolutely nothing. He said, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to speculate. You guys would be bored if I went into all the reasons. It's like, no, Zorn, that's why we're here. You know, don't. He really gave like a master class in, in saying absolutely nothing. And to be honest, I I think the people that were in that presser should have done better because it was out there. You know, you ended up becoming a source on this story, John, with your tweet that started going all over the place and was being quote tweeted by a lot of people, you know, outside observers that are big MLS people that aren't necessarily Charlotte people, you know, talking about like Taylor Twellman, Herc Gomez and whatnot. And people were like, whoa, whoa, is this true? Because you were became sort of the first person that went out there and put the story in public that we knew was true because everything that Zorn didn't say in that press conference, they did say the club did get out that message and that's how you and I put it together. And that's why you felt comfortable going on the record and becoming a source, like I said. So that's bad too. When we're talking about things that are bad, the fact that this story was out there, the fact that they told people a large enough group that it was clear that leaks were gonna get out and things were gonna be able to be confirmed. And then they didn't tell anybody at the public press conference and then no one at the public press conference that could have had the story pressed and like went in on Zorn and they just, everyone kind of accepted it. Everyone like mocked this presser for not saying anything. They all just kind of accepted it. I'd like to think, you know, again, I said this before, we do this as a side gig, as, as just a, a passion project and fandom. But if I was a professional person covering Charlotte FC, I'd like to think I would have asked a, a tougher or a follow-up question of Zorn and really held his feet to the fire on, on his non-answers he was given. The one person I want to give credit to is Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer. Uh, he did come in hot and basically asked Soren, um, not specifically about Carol Svidersky and MA's, MAR's relationship with him, but just called out, hey, man, this doesn't make sense. You fired the guy. You're not giving us a reason. Like, we're trying to figure out what the reason is. Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to give us? And um, he wrote a good article for the uh, a column for the, the Charlotte Observer that I thought hit pretty well. Um, so what you're going to uh, hear from us on the show today uh, isn't going to be a Maya culpa. You're not going to hear Danny Brams and I talk about how, you know what, now that we look back and we think about it, 
maybe MAR wasn't the right man for this job. You know, now that this information is made public and we know about his personality and his personal PR team and some of the decisions that he's he made and the things that he said publicly, maybe that wasn't the right way to act. I, I am not going to go there. Uh, I am going to stand mm-hmm. by what I've said on this podcast for the last six months. And, and that is that I thought the job that Miguel and Hal Ramirez did at Charlotte Football Club was a good job. And then there's a reason why. Uh, he is being courted by clubs in South America and Europe just days after um, he was sacked here in Charlotte. I'm going to drop the athletic article uh, link in the show notes. So if you hadn't had a chance to to kind of read up on everything in this article uh, this week, please go there, click on the link. Uh, you can hear an episode of Soccer Every Day that's embedded in the article as well with Stan Stachkel, uh one of the reporters on the byline here in this piece, a colleague of mine who I who I really do uh, respect. And there's one thing, Danny Brands, that I wanted to, wanted to bring up um, specifically from this article and get your reaction to because it's it's something that's a little bit under the radar because a designated player gets the buzz, right? It's a reason why the report that I had and and went with spread like wildfire. Quote from the article, Danny Brams, Ramirez's lineup choices were another source of tension. Multiple sources pointed to Ramirez's preference for players like Brant Bronico. Ronnie Bro at the center of all of this, Danny Brams, just like he's in the center of the pitch every match for Charlotte FC. Mm-hmm. Brant Bronico in midfield instead of higher priced options like Sergio Ruiz as something that not only created problems with individuals not being selected, but also with front office with with a front office that brought the players in to play leading roles only for them to be reserves behind a player making a comparatively low salary that is an interesting graph and it's it's another window into us saying we loved Brant Bronico and his performance for this squad and I'm mm-hmm. not gonna and I'm not gonna hide from that no no I'm not walking that back in any way shape or form obviously to be honest it doesn't really matter what your salary is in, in an athletic context it matters what you do on the field and Brant Bronico played his way ahead of Sergio Ruiz I'm here to tell you right now Sergio Ruiz has not delivered the performances for this club that Brent Bronico has in any sense of the word or whatnot. I mean, it's, it's Sergio has had some interesting sub appearances and come on and made some things happen as a sub. Whenever he plays well as a sub and then earns a start, he, he regresses and he, he has a bad game as a starter every time. It's a cycle that we've seen a couple times now already in this young season. So, if you're saying that Sergio makes more and was signed earlier and deserves a chance to play the six since he's not really working out that well at the eight, I'm no, I reject that. Brand Bronico is my six, and I don't care about salaries. And MAR was smart enough to know that, and I don't expect that to change under Christian Latanzio too much, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Uh, Zoran Cronetta quote said uh, during this press conference when he was asked um, if he fired Ramirez uh, too soon and how this, if it did reflect poorly on the club, you know, Danny Brams and I, we, we called it a failure. And I, and, I, and I want people to understand this specifically since you brought it up earlier and we said it on our last show, right? The failure was hiring a manager who then was fired 
14 games into the season because he created a fractured locker room and had a fractured relationship with the sporting director, right? On the first day Miguel Angel Ramirez walked into the building, the goal was to have great relationships with his colleagues, have great relationships with his players, and have a great first season in MLS. The fact that it lasted only 14 games and now the MLS world is reading this article, looking at Charlotte FC and making jokes about the franchise, saying that the franchise is going to crash and burn, that David Tepper doesn't know what he's doing with the club, that Zoran Cronetta is a dictator muzzling his players and running this show as a former agent who has, has no sporting director experience. The fact that those things are, are now being brought back to the surface in the middle of the season, that's that's a, a failure. And Cronetta said, quote, I think it reflects philosophy already to make decisions and when decisions need to be made. I think it reflects and shows that this club actually wants to be better and wants to improve. And every decision being made in this club is made into that light. So let's get better. Let's improve. Can we do better? To me, that's a load of bullshit. And it's just words that mean <laughs> nothing. Well, I think he, he if my reading between the lines, he didn't use this phraseology, but he, he's saying we ripped the Band-Aid off. He's saying this is something that we felt, and I believe that. I believe in life, like, one thing I always say is, if you must do something inevitably, you should do it immediately. You know, like, you get it get it out of the way. If, if things are going down the wrong track, change direction as quickly as possible. I get that. And I wish Zorn would have said that a little more explicitly. I think we could have understood a little bit of the decision-making more if he had been able to, to just be a little more transparent. I, I'm not expecting him to throw MAR under the bus. It's a, I'm expecting professionalism at all times from all parties, obviously. But you have to hold yourself accountable to the fans, right? There was no fan accountability there. There was like it was disrespectful to us to come out and say absolutely nothing in this press conference because we're not idiots. We can figure it out, you know. It's pretty pretty easy to figure out, to be honest. We had it figured out before your press even started. So we 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 were like telling people. I was like tweeting at people that I knew were going to be at this press conference, like, hey, ask this, ask this, you know, and it's like, so he, it's all out there. And to, to say nothing is just an insult. So it is what it is. I think ultimately it gets to the point though, where this has happened. I, and and you made the reference, you know, I'm not backtracking any of the praise that I've heaped on MAR. I, I do think some, as we look at some of the coverage, you know, I, I took in a bunch of the, of the media around this team you know there's lots of established shows right there with our show that are they're doing things and i love to listen to everybody that's out there doing content for charlotte fc so i was taking it all in everybody is doing great work we shout you guys out all the time and uh i, I it, this was a big day to be taking in all the content like you say and i what i sensed was one theme which was a little bit of of people sort of trying to distance themselves from mar and i'm not just not going to do that you know, but God love everybody who's covering this team. I, I did feel a little bit of people like, well, you know, now we see like 
you know, some looking back at some of the things we we noticed along the way, that's just not where I'm at. I, I think MAR is probably going to get another job, a, a decent, good job real soon. It may be as an assistant somewhere at a top club. You may not get a head job right away again because he does have the back-to-back, you know, firings <laughs> at his last two gigs now. So who knows? He may need to be humbled a little bit, but he's a, he's a someone that's going to be good, you know, in this field. He's going to be a good coach in in the soccer world around the globe. For, for for years to come, I think. So, as as it stands, at, like I said, it happened, and we have to just move forward. We don't really have – there's no real resolution here for me. There's no really way to feel good about this. There's only the future and what it holds for Charlotte FC and a way to move into a new era. Already we're in the, the Batanzio era, and we'll re- we're still in the Zoran era. We'll, it remains to be seen how long the Zoran era is going to last, but – I do know that siding, they always say like a coach who listens to the fans too much will be sitting with them pretty soon, you know, so that's a that's an age, age old sports aphorism. I do think a general manager who sides with his players too often over his coach that he's installed to be the coach is going to find himself looking for you know new contracts, just like those players someday. So we'll see. I, I In this case, I get it. If the locker room was divided and you felt like you had to side with one faction against the manager, that's one thing, but it's not a good, great precedent to set. And it's good that they have Christian Latanzio internally to promote someone who has some experience because it might have been hard to lure someone from outside the organization coming off the back of the way this entire debacle was. Handled. Very lucky to have a guy like uh, Latanzio who is respected by his players. And um, they're on Tuesday were some interesting things that surfaced. And one of those things that surfaced Danny Brams was a YouTube video on a popular Polish YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. it was of Karol Swiderski and Camille Uzviak uh, giving a behind the scenes, 45 minute look into bank of America stadium, the keep and showing some of the facilities talking about their life in in America together, and they happened to run into Christian Latanzio during that episode. And Svidersky called him the best coach and was bragging to this Polish YouTube channel, which, by the way, has a ton of subscribers, um, and was talking about his experience working with Manchester City, his uh, experience working with Mario Balotelli, his experience working with um, Tevez. Is that right, Bramps? Tevez at Manchester City? Mm-hmm. Oh, Tevez. Yep. Yep. And they made a joke about, they were like, and, and now Svidersky. And Latanzio mm-hmm. loved it. He, he said, who's the best of that group? And Latanzio was like, Carol, no doubt about it. Gave him a hug. Yeah. And you could see that there was a positive relationship there between those two individuals that is pretty clear didn't exist between MAR and Svidersky as as well. And I, I do think that in the Athletic article, uh, multiple sources elaborated on the report that I gave and did mention by name that it was Carol Svidersky who made that request, who, who made that ultimatum directly to Zoran Cronetta. So I did want to bring Camille Uzviak into this this discussion as well, because looking back, there is one thing that potentially for me could have been the final straw. 
and that is traveling Usviak to Seattle to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. Usviak didn't have to go to that game. He could have said, I've got a Poland match on Wednesday. This game is Sunday mm-hmm. night. I need to get back to Europe and try to get some minutes because I want to be in the World Cup squad. Poland has yep. qualified. But instead, he made the decision, I'm going to go to the U.S. Open Cup match uh, against New York Red Bulls. I'm going to go to the Seattle match. I'm here. I'm prepared to play. And the person who got that deal done to bring Juzviak to town is Zoran Krenetta. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine what Zoran's response to seeing Mackenzie Gaines starting on their right wing instead of Camille Uzviak was in that match. If if I have to pinpoint a moment that just may have been the the final straw, it's it's that moment. I, I think MAR's refusal to start Uzviak in that game against Seattle and instead inject Mackenzie Gaines, a player that I like, into the lineup. Mm-hmm may have been uh, the final decision-making straw there. Uh, would, would you, am I am I reading too far into that, or do, does that make sense to you? I, I, clearly, I can't prove that, but looking back, if I am going to look, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. If I'm going to look back and see something recently, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's that. Yeah, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna give myself the benefit of some hindsight, it would be to just more clearly see the the rift between Zorn and Mar, going back to to press conference quotes and things like that, and then the, yes, the use of players, and how how the coach implements the roster that the sporting director, the soccer director, and the coach have built together. You know, people have made the point that mar did have a hand in choosing a lot of the players that he then went on to criticize the roster construction and that and that's a fair point for sure the other side of that coin think, real quickly though brams the other side of that coin is the fact that uzviak had a big missed chance in the u.s open cup and a big missed chance against seattle uh when he came when he yeah, came onto the yeah. pitch and we're on the, we're yeah, on the record sure. saying that camille hasn't done enough um but but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the sporting director who brought the player in and potentially had made some promises about playing time, uh, mm-hmm. saw that and said, this is a no-go. The other thing I wanted to bring up to you as far as hindsight is Svidersky's attitude on the pitch. And if some of his negativity and yeah, you can go back and listen to our episodes and you'll hear us talk about uh, his on-pitch demeanor, his berating of teammates. Mm-hmm. Interesting now to look back and think about that. Yeah, he uh, he clearly is a is a young guy that makes his uh, his emotions felt very clearly to to people around him, and he's obviously not afraid to speak up. Although, who knows how loudly he told Mar about some of his dissatisfaction, or was he just you know whispering to Cronetta behind the scenes? Who knows that that type of palace intrigue, unfortunately, is just too inside the keep for us to to get a. Uh, a first-hand knowledge of but again it becomes about going forward and charlotte fc is going to be judged for this move ultimately based on the results that come forward if we spiral out end up near down the bottom of the table or fighting off that wooden spoon then it was going to say everyone will say oh well you shouldn't have fired uh, ramirez why'd you fire miguel angel ramirez mid-season when you were going good if we catapult up if we get the new manager bounce fight for the playoffs make the playoffs 
everyone's going to say, oh, well, Charlotte did the right thing. They ripped off the Band-Aid. They saw it going one way. They knew they had Latanzio, the, the, you know, this guy who's got him on this run. And they said, this is the guy we need to rally behind. So who knows? You know, uh, it, it kind of made me think a little bit of the show Winning Time that was popular recently. It was out on HBO where you had sort of the a, a coach who was the head coach, but Pat Riley was the real power behind the, the throne as the assistant coach. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, and everyone you could see from that show that it was clear Riley should be should have been the coach all along, and he became the coach the next year. Maybe Latanzio is our Pat Riley to uh, Miguel Angel's Paul Westhead, and and he's going to lead us into a dynasty. Who knows? Uh, that would be fantastic, and I think that he's in a position to hit the ground running because of his experience with his players, because of his personal relationships with the players and uh, because of what we talked about on our reaction episode. And, and that is, is that this offers every player on the team a blank slate, you know, the fractured locker room uh, they can get over the guys that were happy with, with MAR uh, they're going to get over his departure quickly because training is going to resume and another starting 11 is going to be picked and they're going to want to be a part of that. Um, so they've got an opportunity to show and train that they deserve to be on the pitch. And I do feel like it's important to mention that Latanzio's style of play is not very different than MAR's. There's a reason why he was uh, hired to join the staff, because his tactical ambitions matched closely with that of MAR's. Possession-based build-up Play. I think there's going to be probably one or f- a few different differences when, when we think about certain tactics. I think that there will be a a reconsideration into building out of the back every single time. I, I think that ultimately the stubbornness that was mentioned in the athletic piece was about MAR and his unwillingness to adapt his playing style to his current players. And if that means hitting long balls and and going after second balls, then fine. But ultimately what I'm trying to say to you, Danny Brams, is that this team tactically is not going to turn into New York Red Bulls. We're not going to, on June 11th, the date for the next match, nine days from the recording of this podcast, wish it was sooner, wish it was this Saturday. We're not going to see Charlotte FC run onto the pitch in this crazy formation that we've never seen, pressing for 90 minutes. Like I, I just don't expect that. I expect maybe some personnel changes and some emphasis on service to Carol Svidersky. Like I, I think that mm-hmm. is what we see moving forward. Um, do you have any insight into uh, what fans should expect? My belief is that what we will see is more freedom. I think it's it's going to be about freedom because if any of us are watching and are honest with ourselves, the one thing, one like negative term you'd have to apply to Charlotte's style is rigid. It's a very rigid style. And I don't think guys have a total freedom to express themselves as soccer players out there on the pitch because they're beholden to Miguel on hell's game model. Every, you know, there's many times where guys could have tried to at least spring an attack that had a low chance of success, and they instead 
listen to their coach, you know, they're good coachable players and they listen to their training and the, what they were trying to do. And they, they would reset and recycle possession and things like that. So it becomes a little boring to watch a- after a while. So I'm thinking of the San Jose earthquakes who earlier this year, they were going really bad. They lost four games in a row or something with a few draws mixed in and they fired their coach finally in the middle of April. They were, I think they were the, I can't remember if they fired first or if DC fired first, but Miguel Angel's not the first fire coach in, in MLS already this year. There's already been two. So San Jose had a really nice new manager bump, new manager bounce, if you will. The first game after they fired Matias Alameda, they won 4-3 at home versus Seattle Sounders. Then they lost their next match, but then they won three out of their next four. They're on a pretty nice streak. You know, they're still not a great team, but – they did get that new manager bounce. And one of the quotes I was reading from one of, one of their players when they were in the middle of that sort of new identity and like sort of win streak and bounce, what we're talking about is one of the players said, we're still doing all the same things we did under Alameda, the old coach. It's just that we feel more free in the system and we have the principles that have been instilled in us, but the new guy has allowed us to just go out and sort of apply those on our own as they, as we've been trained rather than have to be, you know, beholden to this model, this system. And so if we get that kind of situation going on with Charlotte, with these guys who are well-drilled and well-trained and know how to keep possession when it's important and things like that, but also feel a little bit more emboldened under a new manager to break the mold a little bit when it's appropriate, and now that they've learned it so well and things like that, I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot. I love to hear that, Danny Brams, because a good spot is where we need to be, and um, because it's a bad spot right now, right? And while I appreciate your optimism, and I think that's the right way to look at this new appointment, and if Latanzio wants to be the guy here in Charlotte, if he wants to be the manager, he needs to get hired for that position. He's the interim, right? So he needs to ha- have success. So I think that pressure alone is probably a good thing. Uh, because he knows that he has a little bit more of a half a season in an MLS play only to get things done. And I just, there's one thing that I'm, that I, as we wrap up this episode, which has been a phenomenal episode, Danny Brams, there's just been so much to talk about. And I hope that we've done our due diligence to kind of break this down Um for the audience in a way that is easily digestible and gives supporters and fans a realistic look into what actually went down. I'm starting to get concerned about something. And you kind of mentioned it about, you know, people who cover this team looking back and questioning MAR. You know, I want to be the person that that goes out there and says, you know, I'm incredibly disappointed by the Charlotte FC supporters and how quickly uh, they've moved on from Miguel Angel Ramirez. How two weeks ago, uh, supporters propped this man up as a great coach that somebody they went to matches to celebrate with, to shake his hand after the match. Remember, MAR was always there in the supporter section. He was always with a smile. When Danny Brams and I went down to Atlanta to see the match and we were pitch side, um, 
he made sure to address us there as well. You know, regardless of he uh, of of whether he created a fractured locker room. Hey, with selection, you're going to create issues. That's how it works. There's only 11 spots and some guys are going to be unhappy. That's part of the deal. You know who was never unhappy with MAR? You know who wasn't fractured about MAR? The supporters. And you know who is fractured about him now? The supporters. And you want to know why? Because all of what you're getting from Charlotte FC, from their communications team, from their supporting director, is why he had to go. Why he wasn't a good fit for the job. Why he created a fractured relationship. But what about all the good things that he did for Charlotte FC? What about his energy? What about his plea to the fans to show up? That we need you. We need you here. His connection with supporters was unlike anything I've seen in Charlotte. James Borrego with Hornets fans. Give me a break. Matt Rule with Panthers fans. Give me a break. Miguel Angel with Charlotte fans. It was a beautiful marriage of passion. He lost a power struggle inside a game of Thrones, Danny Bramps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we have all the this uh, royal iconography around the club, and you can imagine this this palace intrigue. Basically, you almost the more I think about it, the more I think that this is something that Zoran might have had sort of hanging in his back pocket for a minute. You know, I don't think this was any type of sudden reaction. I think Zoran looked at that date on the calendar. You know, uh, what, Tuesday? May 31st. Tuesday, May 31st. And he just said, you know, I think he might have had that circled for a couple weeks and just said, hey, this is where I can just cut this guy loose. And and it'll be the dead period. And we'll have just lost. We'll have just probably lost to Seattle. You know, he had to if he didn't consciously think that he probably subconsciously thought it. And, you know, he it's clear he didn't like him more and more from all the comments and the the Harry Potter quote and the we're screwed quote and all that. But I think you're right. Power struggle ultimately with the player, getting it from both ends, fighting with the players and with the, the bosses is just not good. And ultimately, again, it's, it's going to, it's all about the future. It's, it's just, it really, it's, it's fun to sit here and, and we have no, no choice, but to stew in it now. That's the bad side of this having been done at the start of an international break is that there's no game for us to just quickly move on to as supporters. We have to sit and stew in, in the negative emotion and in whatnot. The It's probably better for the, the, the way that first game with the new manager ultimately turns out to have had this time. So, so that's why I'll, I'll accept it and not be too upset about it. But right now, this is what we've got. MAR's fired. We don't really have much communication from the team. All we have is speculation that has led to infighting and some divisiveness among the fan base and we got to repair that now and that's something that Zorn and Latanzio have on their plate now is because Miguel he had the fan base in the club's back, back pocket like you said with with MAR in charge the supporters were one area that the club never had to worry about and now they've got to worry about us 
in a Game of Thrones, the reason why someone is taken out to the square and beheaded (laughs) is because not everybody wants to see it happen. It's because the people who are in power do. And when you lose a Game of Thrones and you look around and you realize that all you have is a couple of your assistants who came here with you and that everybody who is in power is going to remain, you realize quickly that it's all over. And to think about this first chapter of the saga that is Charlotte FC ending with the death of its main character it's major Ned Stark vibes here for, for MAR. Wild, man. Because he was the one who told the truth, just like Ned Stark, right? <laughs> he told it like it is. A lot of people didn't want to hear it. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. You can follow us on Twitter at For the Crown Baby. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on Air. You can follow Danny Brams at Danny Brams as well. And. Just want to be very, very clear with the supporters is that um, we are supporters and that doesn't mean we're going to show up on June 11th with a protest. What it means is we're going to show up and support the club. We're going to support the new manager and we're going to support these players in this next chapter. But I'll leave you with this. I think this is really important, Danny Brams, that anytime someone loses in Game of Thrones, that means somebody's next in line. Mm-hmm. Chaos is a ladder. And Zoran Cronetta has put himself in a position that comes with either success or failure. And if this transition does not work, if Carol Svidersky doesn't produce... If Charlotte FC starts giving up three, four goals a game in MLS and is uncompetitive, then I think he's going to be the next person on the chopping block. But that's the next story that I'm following here with Charlotte FC because there's clearly a new main character at the keep and it's no longer MAR. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great well well said, man. You you, you said it better then I've heard anybody say it. So well, thank you. I'm glad I got the chance to listen to you riff on that a little bit. It's, it's uh, you know, it's where we're at. And I just hope to see better results at this point. We're, we're fighting for the playoffs. MAR got us this far. It, it could be a Moses and Joshua situation where, you know, MAR got us to the brink of the promised land, but he couldn't, he couldn't go into the promised land with us. And Latanzio's our Joshua, who's going to, you know, take us into that land and, and conquer all the Philistines and, uh, Hopefully, uh, we'll see. Who knows? If this team does make a playoff run, and if it does get to the promised land, and if it does host the playoff game, one of the stated goals before the season began, it's going to be in part because of the job MAR did, not the job he didn't do. Follow us on social. Leave us a review, please. Five stars. If you leave us a five-star review, you can ask us a question there. That's a fun way to make sure that your question gets asked on the show. We appreciate the five-star reviews. Please share this 
as well. Uh, we love doing the show for you. Uh, we'll be back before the next match for sure. And as news de- develops around this story, follow us again on Twitter. We really appreciate it. We're going to be hanging out there throughout the weekend. Uh, my bout with COVID is over. Danny Brams is at the end of his road as well. Glad you're feeling better. I know that you're still tired. Get some rest. Uh, but the next time we do this show, it's back to business. We're going to get together in person. We're going to have a pint. We're going to cheers to the squad that, that we love, Charlotte FC. And we're going to have fun talking about this team. You can look and what our priorities are on the show are to do storytelling and to just share our thoughts on the club and, and have more fun. This week this week was all about business, Danny Brams, but it's but it's back when the players get back from their international break and they get back to business, it's time for us to get back to business as well on the show, which is uh, lighthearted, spirited debate and fun. Yeah, thanks to anyone who's uh, stuck with us through the Zoom era of the show here, the, the last few episodes, but it's kind of, when we set out to do this, doing episodes over remote connection like this was kind of antithetical to what we were trying to do. We the whole point of the show is to do it in person. So we love doing it so much, and it's such uh, important times, I think, for the club that it was it was necessary to do it this way. But I cannot wait to get back and be cheersing you up for uh, a round or, or seven as we record and, and talk about some of the stories around the team, for sure. So until next time, I'm John Hayes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on air. He's Danny Brams. You can follow him at Danny Brams. And make sure you follow our show as well, at For the Crown Baby on Twitter. And until next time, as always, Danny Brams. For the crown, baby.